0: It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon Podcast Show. They're talking the walk, and not about slappy, slappy joes. So, talk and walk, talk, talk walk, talk walk, talk walk, talk walk, talk and walk, walk show. Welcome back to Talking the Walk. This is episode 44, Likert Scale. I am Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Skellen. So every week I go through this and I, and I have a, a debate with myself about, do I, always, do I start with original artwork or original music? Because original artwork is what you see when you click on our podcast episode, but original music is the first thing you hear. So do I start with thanking Bailey Bishop and the original artwork? or do I thank Jake Brown in the original music first?
1: If someone's listening to us, they have a link and they're pressing that link and they're hearing the music. So Bailey Bishop's stuff, I don't think it gets clicked on like on Twitter or any place else that
0: exists, unless you're new. Okay, so we're, we're going original music, Jake Brown. Original yep. artwork, Bailey Bishop.
1: Social and media- that's meant in no disrespect to the work artwork that she did.
0: Agreed. Agreed. It's just facts.
1: Social and media Jake director. It's wonderful. It is a wonderful song.
0: <laughs> it's kind of catchy. Kind of catchy. It sticks with you for a little while. <laughs> Tyler Stanley, social media. Jill Martin, fact checker. And then marketing director, Jeff Gravy. Okay, so we have, we have been having this discussion um, about first car multiple times throughout the, the past week. So what I want from our listener, as people like to say that the smartless group likes to say, listener, okay, listener, like they've got millions of listeners, I'm sure, but they always say that they only got one. Um, what was your first car? And not, not the parent car that you had to share with somebody or like for me, The very first thing I drove was a 1984 Caprice Classic, but that was also a family car, so it got shared. My first car that I was in charge of taking care of everything with it was a 1985 Buick Century. It was a beautiful car. It was, mm, I don't, brown probably was the original color. At the time when I got it, I'm not sure you could say it was brown. It was kind of a, I don't know. It, It was a strange color, but... It, it was my car, hole in the floorboard. Um, at the end of its time, I had to keep it plugged in. Uh, ran an extension cord, a 75-foot extension cord out of Burn Oaks at, at, on Loras College campus to uh, keep it plugged in so it would start. Um, it was a beautiful car, and it was mine. Well,
1: we're talking about this because your son, Will,
0: got a beautiful car. Right, right. A 2011 Actually, Chevy Cruze. Yeah, actual beautiful car. <laughs> Way nicer than my first car. Yeah. For sure.
1: And had the audacity to, to do, what, second guess the decision to get it?
0: Yeah, he really doesn't like the color. He's struggling with the color. Likes the fact that he got a car, but he's struggling with the color.
1: I thought he looked slick driving in today.
0: To practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. In his, in his light blue car. So what was your first car?
1: Well, you said not sharing, but in true scound fashion, my first car was really the Toyota liftback, the gray one. Now, my sister had it, but she went to college and I could drive at the start of my sophomore year. I was 16 right away. So I had that car until Krista returned from college to do some internship things new year. And so I had to give up the gray ghost, as I called it. It, you know, if it got up to 45 miles per hour, it'd start shaking the steering wheel and everything. So my dad always thought it was a perfect car for me, so I wouldn't speak. But so Krista comes home. Of course, she's the eldest. So she gets first dibs on the car and she's working and I don't need it and blah, blah, blah. Um, So my uncle Jim, which is a whole nother podcast in and of itself. He sure is. God rest his soul. Um, he says he's got a car and, um, go up and he and dad drive it back, uh, or he drives it down and my dad drives it back and all this. And it is a a horizon. I don't know who made horizon.
0: I I can't remember.
1: And that was fine, but it also, you know, the, the engine was messed up. So it would like rev really high. And he, again, you don't know my Uncle Jim, he hauled pigs and livestock in the car. Um, And unfortunately, I think the pigs shit in the car. Oh, darn it. Shat in the car.
0: Great job. Now we got to put an E on this thing. (laughs) Good grief.
1: It is true. Hugh Clark would say that's just a biological function.
0: (laughs) It's Plymouth, by the way. Plymouth Horizon.
1: Plymouth Horizon. Okay, so Plymouth Horizon. Who knew they made little subcompact cars no bigger than than a lounge chair? A pig. Yeah, and so that thing stunk. And actually what's crazy is my my mom said she knew Melanie and I were going to get married because Melanie came over and helped me clean the car. And she said, any girl that's willing to clean up that mess with you has got to be a keeper because you're not much of a catch to begin with. That was my first like real car.
0: The old Plymouth horizon yeah. with, with the hog in the back.
1: Yeah. I would take it up to Simpson college. And I, well, I told you this we had yeah. a friend from Omaha who didn't have a car, but got a job either in uptown Indianola or, um, at Southridge mall. And so he's always looking for a car to borrow and, uh, Good guy, he's like, you know, Tommy, let me borrow your car. Let me borrow your car, Tommy. "Um, No, you don't wanna borrow my car. Oh man, don't be like that. Come on, let me borrow your car. Seriously, you don't wanna borrow. Come on, all right, have at it. He came back like five hours later. What in the bleepity bleep happened to your car? That thing (laughs) stuck. And that's after it had been cleaned thoroughly several times, wood chips, People probably thought I was on drugs because we had all the air freshener things in it all over the place.
0: But that's how a first car should yeah, It
1: didn't should be. have any holes in the floorboard.
0: You have not lived until you've had a car that has some you know, great story behind it. Like that. Well, we
1: someday we've got to tell the story of a beautiful school van that only
0: has two seats and <laughs> a folding chair. Yeah, and we used the force lights. to get everywhere. Never looked at didn't We didn't lights. have cell phones, so you'd have Google Maps. Nope. And coming back from Sheridan, didn't have lights.
1: Yeah. No lights.
0: Scary. Coming back from
1: Sheridan and at 10 o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, good grief. In the fall, during the rut. Terrible combination.
1: Well, Terrible. we don't want to go down a rabbit
0: hole. No, no, we don't. Even though I still don't know if he's listening. He's, he's still some sort of boycott or whatever. I don't know what his deal is. That's Brandon Schman. He's, he's upset we wouldn't take his yeah.
1: He's he's upset we wouldn't take his call. And then he's upset that I
0: haven't been regular. Good grief. Sorry, I can't win. So what I need from everybody that's listening, what was your first car? And again, not, not one that's shared, but one that you, you could call your own. So I want to know what it is. And if you've got something fun, you know, like your Uncle Jim carried hogs in the back um, before, you, before you got it, you know, something like that. We'd love to hear about. It. Watch update, um, 38,400 um, calories have to be burned in the month of April, 30 days. I have, I have well, 10 days left, including today. Um, and I've got an average about 1,400 calories. If you go back and listen to how many calories I had to average when this thing first started, you'd know that I was pretty lazy the first half of the month. And now I have been absolutely crushing it this week um, to catch up and get ahead. So I'll get it taken care of. Um, Confessional, here we go. You're gonna enjoy this one. So we go to the grocery store and we're going down the ice cream aisle. And this is several months ago. And we continue to buy these quarts will to eat and he bounces back and forth between cookie dough and cookies and cream cookies and cream is number one for him as far as in he loves oreos he loves oreo pudding he loves um oreo fluff anything that's that's cookies and cream flavor okay so keeps bouncing back and forth between this and we're going down the ice cream aisle and i tell christy hey why don't we just get a big tub of cookies and cream gallon you know, so that way we don't have to keep buying these little ones and let's just, let's get it taken care of. Well, little did I know, and of course, I'm using air quotes, it's for Will. Um, I'm the one that eats it. And here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. She still buys now in the habit of buying this gallon of cookies and cream. And she still buys the little quart of um, like cookie dough. Okay, so are you with me? And so I have, yes, up. but I don't eat the cookie dough. I just eat the cookies and cream. And I don't even really like cookies and cream. I'm more of a mint chocolate chip guy, but I haven't said anything. Yeah, I can't, I, I it's in. And and I haven't said anything about, let's just stop buying the big thing of cookies and cream because I'm, I'm the one eating it. So let's get the one that I really like. Yeah.
1: Well, Bizarre. a few things that mint chocolate chip I, I every time I think I have a clue about you I'm, I'm lost because <laughs> who likes mint chocolate chip that's so are you 75 years old I, I mean, that's, no that's I unbelievable.
0: Mint chocolate. so if I have so let's talk ice cream real quick if I have I am I am if I am going back to my roots the number one thing for me is a Peanut Buster parfait from Dairy Queen. Number one. Nuts. Nuts, no nuts. Oh, yes. Spanish nuts. Yeah. With the, with the fudge and plain white ice cream. I love peanut butter parfaits. I love them. Okay. Number two for me. This one is hard, but I would go, I would go a Reese's peanut butter cup blizzard with chocolate ice cream from. Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. Love Dairy Queen. Look at me. I can handle chocolate on chocolate.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the chocolate ice cream. that. I I like that with vanilla.
0: Live inside this body and you'd be just fine with chocolate on chocolate. Third for me. Are you ready? Peanut butter ice cream. Chocolate peanut butter ice cream from Baskin Robbins.
1: I don't think I've ever had that.
0: It is delicious. So those would be my top three. Now, if I'm going to get something at home, I can't get Dairy Queen at home. I can't get Baskin Robbins unless, I mean, you can find one. And so mint chocolate chip is there for me. I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. I also love peppermint stick. Anyway, long story short, in the confessional, what turned from a lie, a cover-up of buying ice cream, you know, a lot of ice cream for Will... Which was really for me, has now got me into a bind where we're buying the kind that I really don't want to eat, but I still continue to eat it anyway.
1: No, I missed that. You said a lie. So you were telling Christy to get the big one? (laughs) Yes. All in all? Yes. (laughs) I thought thought you were just actually trying to. Quotations, it's for Will. (laughs) You know what you need? You need that Apple Watch to give you a challenge.
0: It does give me a challenge.
1: No, it needs to give you a challenge like
0: suck it up and tell your wife the truth. <laughs> <It's still small. laughs> That's true. Well, she's going to hear this, so she'll know. She'll now know. Yeah. Very passive aggressive. Very Patterson-like. Very passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, do, you, do you have a confessional?
1: Well, I never have a confessional.
0: Um, you did last week, or you did two weeks ago. Whenever we did the last one, because you stole a Reese's Reese's uh, what was it? Egg? Yeah, from the boy from oh, yeah. the boys' That's, drawer.
1: Those are, I know there's still some around the house, but they have now been been put in different places.
0: They're on to you.
1: People were getting upset that they were disappearing.
0: Yeah,
1: which I'm okay with, but I'm not okay with. You know, I don't. It's like I don't need to eat them, but hiding them from me kind of upsets me um i would say i'm not much of an ice cream guy if you're not much
0: of a dessert guy
1: no i like an oreo cookie i'm with will on that but i don't i don't like it in the ice cream i like to just dip dip it in milk i prefer two percent milk but one percent would do and skim in a pinch
0: okay so let's go let's go there are you ready yeah favorite oreo Double stuff. Okay. Okay. It
1: has to be Thank double stuff. Yeah. You're wasting your time if you do the single stuff.
0: Well, okay. So, but I want I want to keep going because what is there? There's like way too much stuffed and mega stuffed and. Yeah, there's mega
1: stuff. That's not good. That that was too much.
0: I would agree. So double stuff. I am I am 100% in agreement. The the Oreo cookie is a classic and a fantastic dessert cookie, and double stuff with, I mean, hands down, not even a close second to anything.
1: The mega stuff is like pseudo Sue number seven. I don't really
0: need it at that point. I would agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a good confessional that you're more of a cookie guy, Oreo cookie guy, and, and you'd prefer but 2%. You know, this is
1: what happens to me. I'm, I'm told to not buy ice cream although the boys like ice cream and I'm told to not buy ice cream because there's one person in the house who will eat that ice cream and she'll do it fast. And that's Melanie.
0: Well, now that so, Tommy is gone, cause Tommy was a huge ice cream fan, vanilla with Hershey syrup, right? Yeah.
1: He maybe was, a little malt mix,
0: a little malt powder.
1: Yes, exactly. But now he's, he's California health conscious. You know, he eats salmon and And he has like six eggs a day, and gets his little workout in. You know, makes me feel bad about myself. But, but this is what happens. So the other day, I did buy ice cream, and I bought it for the boys. Mel got it out to what kind? To this bunny tracks and cookie. Good one. It's a good one. Bunny tracks and cookie dough. So Mel gets it out to dish it up for herself, and she has a bowl and a spoon. I grab her spoon because I'm, and it's unused. And I'm going to take the spoon and I'm going to have one bite of ice cream. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm using your spoon and I'm going to have one bite of ice cream because that's about all I want. No, get your own spoon. Why are you having ice cream? <laughs> I'm like, I want one bite out of this whole thing. So we we watch our ice cream intake because it leads to stuff
0: around here. You're very territorial when it comes to ice cream. Not,
1: not me. Family.
0: The family in general. Yeah.
1: And they don't like it if they ever do want ice cream. They're like,
0: why do you need ice cream? <laughs> I bought the ice cream. Would you like me to throw a suggestion your way? Buy I the gallon at a time. <laughs> um,
1: no, we'll never buy the gallon of the special ice cream, but we used to always have a gallon of the just vanilla ice cream.
0: That's what Tommy always had. Right. always. Yeah. And then he'd stir the crap out of it and basically turn it into a shake as he ate it, if I remember correctly.
1: Right. And there's another podcast show, things that when you're ready to leave your mom's house, even though you love her dearly, and she says, oh, we've got to have a treat because we had a family meal. And your son gets ice cream and syrup and stirs it for 10 minutes before he eats it and you're ready to go.
0: But that is he's done it his whole life so you knew that was coming I can't tell no at grandma's house that's true um one of the things that you need to do is you need to remind your eldest that there are dairy cows in California also yes yeah I know
1: he could still get some ice cream his habits get a little worse here he, he has, he's like, he comes back and I'm like, you want me to buy you some Mountain Dew or anything else to drink? No, I don't drink pop. But then I get the Mountain Dew and suddenly drinks a little Mountain Dew. You know, I'm a
0: bad influence. It's hard to kick that habit of, of whatever it was that you were accustomed to when you were growing up, when you come back home. I mean, that's part of the reason why you come back home is to, to get back into that. The, I think he the, treats
1: it like vacation a little bit.
0: Sure. And the comforts of home. I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's also, what they're talking about.
1: He also would tell you that um, having a burger in California is nothing like having a burger from meat from the fairway meat counter. That's totally different
0: taste. Grass fed versus grain fed.
1: And dad's grilling, you know, master, master griller
0: you should have said that with an eyebrow raised as you as you pop that off yes and actually the manner by which it is grilled and who is grilling it also makes a difference
1: the proper seasoning the proper way to pepper and salt spread
0: yeah some people are just better at things than others including grilling so we so, we we just said at the beginning that i it was this was going to be a short podcast and now we have spent the last 10 minutes talking about ice cream and then um, who's the best at grilling so let's get
1: into the feedback here's here's the deal though people don't understand outside of today where i came down and talked to you and Jake for 15 minutes and lammer stopped over <laughs> when's the last time we've really had any chance to talk about anything
0: not um, from- true the last time we podcast when we yeah. talked for like an hour, that Saturday morning, we talked for an hour before we podcast because we were catching yeah. up on everything. So not very often. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that people struggle with. Like, and I, you know what, we can talk about it now, you know, this past weekend, typically you would come with me to Moravia and yeah. the Southeast Iowa Clinic, but because you had your your soccer tournament, you didn't get to come along. So that was a, a, a full weekend of, not a normal thing for us so you know we we have to catch up from that too so it makes it makes it a little tougher and then i don't remember what we had we had something going on monday and tuesday night that it didn't work out so that's why we're we're on a wednesday night podcasting um as opposed to any other time <laughs> dennis broad did did let me know that we must be busy if we are taking this long in between uh recording episodes well, so, football has a regular schedule and soccer has an irregular schedule well but even if even if soccer with its irregular schedule if i was doing soccer with you then we would at least have the same irregular schedule however we're not matching and in football and we talked about this in football we match i mean we everything is the same for us so it works out it it just was it worked out better feedback first one which i think is going to elicit a little bit of a conversation comes from Kara Greenlee. Kara Greenlee, when she, when she goes out to visit Ryan at, at Wayne, um, likes to catch up on the, on the podcast. And I thought this one was spot on and it's something that we missed um, with, with Gravy. Listened on the way to Nebraska yesterday. So good, so fun to listen to Coach Gravy talk about middle school athletics. One important thing that didn't really get brought up was having to coach kids who have been coached by their parents for the last seven-ish years. That can be a super hard transition. Bless these coaches for enduring that. And I, and I think that that is really good, um, a really good point and a good perspective from her. Um, I have coached middle school, volleyball, basketball, and softball is one of the toughest jobs I ever had. To have two, maybe three of you are lucky coaches for that many kids is crazy. I always tell parents, parent friends to give grace. The coaches have a week, maybe, to figure out who these kids are and then place them on a team. And then try to get them all playing time, and not get yelled at by parents for said playing time. Kudos to all middle school coaches; it can be a very thankless job. But as you mentioned, it sets the tone for the athletic future of these kids. From Carolina. so I just I thought that was a really good piece that we had not, or perspective that we had not talked about when it came to the middle school was it, you are you know for for many of these kids that's how you get going right you you join this team and your dad coaches or you join this team and your mom coaches. And and that's how it is all the way through until you get to school ball. Well, and that's
1: um, like with Quinn's team now that they're freshmen and, and freshmen, freshmen, um, and Will. Uh, you know, I had him a year, two years, two seasons. I can't remember what that is. You you coach a lot of these kids in soccer, and you get them year after year after year. You kind of plug them into a few spots. I definitely have an idea. I didn't know I was ever gonna be coaching with Kralik again, but I had an idea of where I thought these kids may end up. And so you try to teach them things. And then they go to, um, you know, LeGrand and Jack, the new coaches on JV, and those guys play in a different spot. So even then, as a parent on the varsity soccer staff, looking at where they're playing guys, I wanna say, um, (coughs) sorry, dog alert. I wanna say, that's, you know, that's that's not where they're supposed to play, but I got a back.
0: I think the so one of the things that that we're looking, and, and and we are going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, so I apologize. But it, I thought this feedback was so good, Kara, that, and so I appreciate that that we we are gonna talk about this. One of the things that we're looking at doing in in the youth league is is a similar setup to the way that Dow Center Grimes does it and Dow Center Grimes, what they do is they bring their kids in and they, and they go through a full week of evaluating. All the coaches are there for that grade level with all the kids and they evaluate. They evaluate them on whatever aspects they pick, you know, like throwing and catching and running and, and pulling the flag or tackling, whatever it is. And then at the end, they all come together and they basically go through and say, here, if, if we've got enough kids for four teams, here are our top four quarterbacks. Here are our top four running backs. Here are our top Um, there'd be six, it'd be 12. Here's our top 12 linemen. And and they just go through and they rank everybody. And then the number one quarterback, the number one running back and the number one receiver are not going to be on the same team. They're going to split everybody up and they're going to go through and they're going to get everything picked. So what you end up with is you end up with a very balanced team. And the next year, you have to go through all of that again. You don't get to get coached by the same group of people unless it's your own child. Or your own parent that's coaching it you. so you're constantly rotating and there's two reasons for that one because it, it is an important skill to be able to be coached by other people and I and that's one of the things you know that when they come to seventh grade they're coached by one group and then they go to eighth grade and they're coached by a different group and then they get to the freshman and they get to JV and they get to varsity all experiencing different coaches and and it's important for kids to learn how to deal with it here's the second reason and this is along what you're talking about. One of the big reasons why they do it, which is reason number two, is that if Tom Scallon had a bad experience with Paul Patterson, now Paul Patterson, who who is the who is the coach, for the next three years thinks this of Tom Scallon, and so this is where Tom Scallon's gonna play, and this is what Tom Scallon is limited to because of the perception and the interaction that he had with Paul Patterson. You switch him to another team, a year of growth, um, you know a, a maturity things like that you come in with a fresh a clean slate and now he doesn't have that that year of of um an opinion being formed when it comes to coaching so i just i so when i hear you say that you know you have your opinion on that and then those guys see him differently and so they have a different opinion so um i think it's important yep. that's all yeah um
1: that's still, so, that's a numbers game for them. I mean, you got to have enough kids out to be able to divide them up that way.
0: Right, right. But remember, remember it's, it's eight man football, third, fourth and fifth grade. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you're so eliminating right, right. So it, it, it changes things. I think dramatically when you, when you're talking just eight man um, football.
1: Well, I like that. I mean, I know soccer, um, you and I have, talked about that before if you're lucky enough to be in uh to gabe crawl coaches a team and if you're lucky enough to have a kid um that's of the age that he's coaching when he starts at you nine right now you get gabe crawl away until he turned high school age, and then you know then they, then they move on to somebody else and gabe's a good coach and everybody wants to have gabe and so i know apex is talking back and forth forth all the time do we create levels with coaches like you just talked about like the u10 coach is person x the u12 is person y u14 is z so they get a different experience and you know if you've got a, a super super strong coach that everybody gets them um, or do you just let them run with a group and that's it's an interesting discussion when you get all different parties involved
0: i could share my opinion but like
1: all you the mind. different stakeholders Right, you have shared your opinion.
0: Right. Um, so that I thought. That, but the bad part is
1: you were talking about me with Will. That's the bad part. You wanted a different experience than having Will with me as a coach.
0: <laughs> that was the tough part in our in our relationship. Right, right. It was rocky ground. The uh, the, but that I thought that perspective from Kara was really good because that is one piece that we missed as far as kids only have been coached. You know, certain kids have only been coached by their parent. Coming up through, and now and now you have to you have to deal with that, and that's a different dynamic than all the other things that we talked about. So, thought that was an interesting piece. Christy gave us a little yep. update. The chicken coop has moved, so the one on Grand and Railroad is closed, but it it's out at the original Legends, all the way out on Sixtieth and Ashworth, and I can't remember what the name of it was, um, but it it changed names. It, it has everything, it's like three guys, um, bar and grill, something like that, but it's really the chicken coop is out there and they now have three locations. I just saw a commercial for it. They now have three locations. So they bought another one, um, very similar to the three guys. So they have purchased two restaurants and now they're turning them into the chicken coop and then they have that one out there by Grimes. I think it'd be Urbandale maybe. That uh, is the other one. Um, Dustin Kralik. On April 11th, he, he texted us that he had just mowed. So have you mowed, by the way? Twice? twice. You've mowed twice? Um, I've only mowed one time. And uh, that was a struggle. Just from the standpoint that there, at, at our house, there are certain spots that are so long and thick that mower has a tough time getting through. And then there's other time other spots where you can't tell it's not very even right now. Um, And then he was, which is still disgusting. He was eating leftover handballs for lunch when he was listening to the episode. I don't know if that was just irony or what, or just coincidence. And then here's another question for the, for the listeners. He said, any Reese's shape is the best. Now what they need to do is they need to come up with a summer shape. What would the summer shape be? I threw out an umbrella. Would an umbrella be an appropriate summer shape you know like a fourth of july and, and I, you could i suppose you could double it up as a as a sun umbrella and a rain umbrella for the summer months but what would the summer reese's shape be for them to roll that out in the summer and, and continue their, their well they're like usually around
1: holiday. holiday you fourth of know july. what i mean they're around holiday. yeah yeah so a star you're saying umbrella i'm saying a okay
0: star. hey yes i think that'd be perfect let's do it let's pitch that to reese's
1: yeah. And there'd be a good amount of peanut butter in that thing too. Not sure would.
0: <laughs> oh, they are heaven. Um, Dennis Bura said it was a great episode and he, he thanked all of us for, um, for all the great advice. And then Mark Parrington sent a, a video of Oliver looking at a, a football book. Um, I thought that was pretty exciting. Let's get, let's get old Oliver Parrington ready to roll for the Norwalk Warriors.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to convince mom that football is okay.
0: I think the first step is going to be convincing her that we're okay.
1: Well, she's got too many
0: years. You're going to have to do the convincing. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be first off the bus to, uh, to be the, the sales guy for that. Or the first one ringing yeah, the doorbell.
1: Football's a great thing. You end up really normal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it for feedback. Do you have any? Nope. <laughs> I love asking that. Um, high school sports um, track, of course, this week is Drake Relays. And, and both boys and girls ha- had uh, a ton of qualifiers. And I think they, they just have done an excellent job. And both boys and girls are running really well. Um, and, I'm, and I'm speaking more from the boys just because I've, I've had a little more interaction with um, Matt. But the 4 by 4 and 4 by 8 have been running exceptionally well. And I think that's really impressive. And now, now they got a chance. I think one of them, and I can't remember if it's four by four or four by eight is fifth. Right now in 4A, that's where they're at as far as their time goes. So we'll see how the relays go um, coming up here on Friday. Pretty excited for them to see what, what they've got going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I
1: thought the four by eight was third.
0: Could be, it very well could be. Matt and I had a long conversation last night and that was, I mean, it, how they were doing was was among uh, many of the topics that we, that we talked about. So, um, Tennis is, uh, is bouncing back. You know, they're doing well in conference and um, the girls are, are still plugging along and the boys you know, continue to, to fight through that tough schedule uh, as far as who they have competition wise and continue to, to grind it out and uh, compete. Um, golf, girls had conference yesterday, they placed second. And I think, uh, who, who took second for us overall? Lauren Davis. Yeah, Lauren Davis. So the uh, girls' team overall took second, and then she she was a was she the silver medalist, right?
1: Yeah, she's the silver medalist.
0: Yeah. And then the boys next Tuesday have their first uh, conference meet. They go down to Oskaloosa. and I think the girls are going someplace. So um, the girls are doing really well. Boys are qualifying this week to see who's going to golf, and then I think after next Tuesday they've got one more, and I don't remember when that is. Um, and then you want to give an update on soccer.
1: Well, I know the the girls team is looking really, really good. Uh, they played well uh, in a win versus pella and have been rolling is that since overtime then. They put shootouts. Shoot I want to say shootout. Yes, okay. shootout. Um, so I yeah, I, I think they've got some uh, some tougher teams coming up here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, Pell is tough, but then some of the other conference opponents have not been on their on their level. But I, that's a team to watch. They've got a chance to go, you know, if you can get, it's always a fight. If you can get into state, that's one thing. And then once you get there, can you make the plays? But they got a chance to make some noise. Uh, they played the boys, really well in the uh, Adel tournament,
0: worked, won all three of their games in the Adel tournament, and then they tend...
1: yeah. Thought they played two? Did they play? Maybe two? it was
0: two. Maybe it was two.
1: Beat healing, Beat Bondurant handily. Um, yeah. So boys, um, you know the story of our season is: can we put goals in the net and then play fairly clean? Our schedule is is a really really tough one. I think everybody we play, but two or three teams out of the sixteen contests are ranked somewhere. Um, you know, so we this last weekend when you were at the clinic, we beat Hoover, but it was a tough match. Um, we started off slow and then we just dominated the second half. And then we lost to Ankeny in PK shootout. Um, had two good goals, which was a breath of fresh air that we were scoring some goals, but gave up two two corner kicks where they scored and the issue there is it's not like they headed the ball in or volleyed. The ball was crossed, landed on the ground and someone came and got it and put it in. And that, you know, that just shouldn't happen if we're playing well defensively. And that's what we're we're pretty good at. So that's what's frustrating is that in that big moment, our best thing let us down. So the rest of the season is going to be tight. We play Johnston tomorrow, never beat Johnston in all the years that Norwalk has played soccer. Uh, and I know the boys would like to to, you know, we're knocking on the door with some of these big schools. And I know the boys would like to get started with them, but once again, you know, they roll out 130 kids for soccer. So it'll be it'll be really competitive and we'll we'll have to play well to to get it on the right side
0: of the ledger. The uh the just a, a side note for everybody that's listening. When, when you talk shootout on Saturday against Ankeny, that is after regulation is done. And then it, it's a little different when it comes to tournament that you don't go into first overtime and then the second overtime and then do a shootout. Time is up and then you go to the shootout immediately because it's a tournament, right? Yes, so, so the,
1: I can't remember what the girls rule is. On the boys, you can go ahead and do that so you save kids' legs so you don't, just don't keep playing. You know, you just go right to shootout. I, and it used to be that girls you had to go to overtime and play the overtime to force you out. That rule may have changed. Um, but yeah, it, now um, tomorrow night, if we were in a draw at the end of regulation, we'd be overtime, overtime, but because it's a tournament, we can apply different rules.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think that's important because it, it's a, it's just a little different, but still just a, a clarification there. Um, rugby doing well both the the boys and the girls are doing well um the the tough part is is that i think all their home matches are at bond rant i think when they when they play so um and they're
1: selling selling their poster for ten dollars and it's it's that's a lot of money for a poster but when one of your defensive linemen come up and say coach would you buy this
0: from me i end up buying a rugby poster um, Jake and I turned him down and then yeah, he's well, like oh just wait he said well Scallon bought one and I said yeah Scallon eats at Culver's too <laughs> he had no idea what we were talking about but we yeah, threw that yeah. at him.
1: I don't care what Jeff Gravy says speaking of speaking of Cole Hopkins was over this last, last weekend because Kennedy was home and he was on the way by to get a burger um, I think it was on Friday because I, I worked from home on Friday because I had the virtual conference with SAI and I got asked if I want a burger and so Cole's paying so of course I'm, I said no and then I'm saying yes you have he went to. to Bebop. he went to Bebop's and all it did was confirm that Bebop's is tremendously worse than Cole I mean they're not even in the same ballpark
0: all it did was confirm that a poor college kid has got to go to go to Bebops because he's probably got buy one, get one coupon from the uh, from the newspaper.
1: Oh my gosh. He was over Sunday. He came over before Kenny left and I ended up making him breakfast. So he gets fed around here. And
0: oh, all sure.
1: he if he asked for something, Melanie would get it for him. So don't I don't want to hear any Cole Hopkins way wham story.
0: Now, here's what I here's what I find interesting. He is well fed at the Scallon House. At the same time, still probably complaining about how much Nick Bruner used to eat at his house. Oh Nick, he's he just all the hot dogs they used to eat and everything. So now he is he is turning into what he used to complain about the most at his house. It's interesting, Cole Hopkins. And by the way. I also have decided to be discreet with his text to me about what he bought at Casey's um, with his card for being a guest on the uh, podcast. Choosing not to talk about
1: that. <laughs> well, he, he wouldn't have bought it at Casey's. He'd have to buy it somewhere else.
0: No, he could buy it at Casey's. And he did, in fact. So... Football schedules supposed to come out on the on on Monday. I still think we're going west for at least two. I know we're going to get Dallas Center Grimes. The other three, I cannot tell you. I have no idea who we're going to get. Don't know. Um, well, what you need
1: to do is tell a story about how Dallas Center Grimes said they're real excited to get us because they want to put the whoop down on us, us. again. <laughs> Remember, you said Heitland and Bum were talking about how great they were going to be?
0: I think they're going to be pretty good. I think there are several people that we're going to see this year that are going to be pretty good. So we're going to have to raise our game up a little bit. Updates from me, you know, uh, gave my clinic talk on Friday. Um, I'm, I'm an adjuster, meaning after I give that talk, I'd like to give it again and then make some of the changes. But I was nervous about how long it was going to take me. Right? I was supposed to talk for 50 minutes. By the end, I was done. I finished 15 minutes early. I talked for 35 minutes, had a little snafu with internet at the beginning. And then at the end, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you. So Ken Winkler was standing back by the thermostat. The thermostat was set at 79 degrees in that room, and it was packed. It was packed. The poor fella, who was a little larger, sitting in the front row was just dripping with sweat by the time I got done. It was so stinking hot in there. It was unbearable. And I'm surprised people stayed awake. Coach, It was so hot. Coach, coach, can I get a question? (laughs) Yeah, nobody asked any questions. They wanted me to be done. So anyway, got that all taken care of, went and and saw. uh, Oh, side note, you know, I have not told you, have I told you this story about Kim Nelson and uh, Roosevelt, Sioux Falls Roosevelt? yeah yeah so anyway got some good things from him and then um just got to hang out and see and catch up with some people um down there at at, uh at the old moravia and then on sunday we had uh the iowa football coach association um awards ceremony we had that at dallas center grounds i'll talk more about that later so that's kind of a little update and then hopefully tonight i find out that for sure broadhead judah We'll be playing a football game against Fenimore on uh, Friday, and I think I'm going to head back home to uh, to watch that on Friday night, seven o'clock kick. And then one of the things that I'm most excited about is bringing back a couple of Rich's specials pizza from uh, the Swiss House of Mineral. Pretty excited about that. Delicious. So well,
1: there's also you also should be looking out for spotted cow.
0: Oh yeah, I could, I could find a spotted cow or two down in that area. All the Holsteins are, are pretty spotted. So our non-sponsor, are you ready? Super 70 Sports, it's a Twitter page. For those of you who are a little older and can remember some of the things that took place in the 70s, I'd recommend it. It's very funny, not appropriate, but it is very funny. And I appreciate their humor. Just to give you a little idea, Jake Brown is not yet 30. I'm 46. He does not understand most of the things that they talk about in there. So that is one of those things. And that's not
1: because he
0: doesn't understand lots of things. Right. It, It is. It's an age difference. It's a gap. So I find it to be funny. I'm laughing when one of them rolls through and I'm like, oh, my God, did you see that 70 sports? And he's like, yeah, I didn't get it. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. It's really funny. So I would recommend it for those of you who are you know, in their 40s to uh, check it out or older, check it out. Um, it's pretty funny, I, I enjoy it. So why is this called the Likert scale? Well, we're gonna talk about, at the end of the day, what we're gonna talk about is we're gonna talk about evaluations. And of course, we all know that Likert scale comes from Rensis Likert, who is a, a psychologist. And basically what it does is it gives people an opportunity to um, give a little bit more specific, but yet not be too specific on how they think um, things go um, as far as, you know, where they're at. And so that's kind of how it goes, you know, strongly agree, disagree, neither agree, nor disagree, agree, strongly agree. And those are really your five choices when it comes to the Likert scale majority of the time. And we're gonna talk just a little bit more about that. So let's start with evaluations. Let's start with the purpose. What's the purpose of an evaluation? What do you got?
1: Mm, so I, I always thought the purpose may be different than how I was originally instructed about evaluation. I, I see, to me, a good evaluator is a coach and um, you know provides some, I shouldn't say provides insight. ask questions so the, the person being observed can uh, just reflect on their instruction. I don't, you know, I think you have to take things into account, developmental level of the teacher, meaning how long they've been teaching. Um, some basic things have to get handled like how is classroom management and stuff like that. But in general, I like to go in when I was observing, which has been a while now because that's not been my role, but when I was observing teachers, I really liked to just um, go through, I would um, script things that were going on, and then I'd just come up with lists of questions and not questioning their instruction, but uh, asking questions about the choices they made in their lesson. You know, trying what to, guide their to do this. I just, I wanted to think about things, you know. Yeah. Um, I did, Chris Kurt once observed him and uh, obviously science, you know, they're they're all into, you ask them a question and they're going to respond with a question, you know, inquiry based. And I charted how many times that question was really done. and, And then we started discussing, is that too many questions? Did you ever get to your major question? Because I don't know, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I don't know enough about science, so I, I see it as a coach. I, I don't, I don't see it any different than when I sit down and try to ask questions in my mind about an opponent we're playing. Why are they doing this? What do they like? What are their most important things? You know, trying to think about what that person's thinking a little. So, I just like to uh, try to coach them up. That gets a little different because I once had our instructional coach tell us when you do evaluations, the teachers are saying they seem just like my coaching cycles. And so my coaching cycles, they're like, why are you doing coaching cycles but Tom's doing coaching cycles. So that was, that was an interesting conversation.
0: The, uh, if I had to pick a, a single purpose, I think it would be to generate a conversation about growth. How do I, how do I get better um, at what it is that I'm doing? And I think one of the things that, there's a very fine line to walk when it comes to reflecting. You know, some people reflect too much, some people don't reflect at all. And then where is that happy medium between not enough and too much when it comes to reflecting? And, and I think it's important for you as the evaluator to help a person down that path of, of a good balance of, of reflecting and making changes and, and asking the right questions and trying to come up with um, their reasoning as to why they're doing what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I, the easiest way I think for me was collecting forms of data and then presenting them with the data and letting them make their own observations about those things. Now I might create questions, which um, are about areas that I see, but in the end, they reflect on it and decide, here's what the data is
0: telling me, this is maybe what I should do next. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's see what we're doing. So, walk me through back in the day, obviously, because you said it's been a while, but walk me through uh, uh, the process of evaluating a teacher.
1: Oh, Lord, this has changed a lot over the years. So, initially, it was a checklist, and I hated the checklist. It was more Madeline Hunter. And I like Madeline Hunter as far as anticipatory set, you know, put something on the board, get the day rolling, whatever. But it was Madeline Hunter and checklist and are they doing these things and if you do these things you'll be a good teacher which isn't necessarily true um then it switched to um well we did some other things in there Um, our school was a full cooperative everybody was trained in cooperative learning so after a while i since i was whatever gray book trained um Dale made me be the person who evaluated everyone in cooperative learning. And so that was my role for a long time. So there was a little bit of checklist, a little bit of questioning, a little bit of, if you're really gonna do a cooperative lesson, it has to have these elements. So I was always making sure everybody was performing that because that was, that was contractually what you had to do at the time. Um, then, when I didn't have to do always the proper learning. It became more script and question, data data collection, script and question, what I talked about. And I really enjoyed that because teacher could tell me what they want to do. I could collect data, we could discuss it and, and make some goals for the next lesson that they felt you know was important. Now we're doing Marzano, which is again, weird for me um, <laughs> because I have the non-instructional personnel. Uh, and so non-instructional to me is, is so different than the instructional. And they, you know, you still have the same categories, the standards-based planning, the standards-based instruction, conditions of learning, professional responsibilities. But I don't I, and this is this is a weakness of my own, I know. I don't feel like the non instructionals should be on any sort of I watch you, I watch the counselor speak to a student about things going on in their life. I think it should be more at risk. Guidance. Uh, the librarian, they should be more administrative-like in their evaluation, which means set a goal. Did you reach your goal? Why did you not reach your goal? You know, and that goal should be in some way impacting your area, that sits outside of the instructional core. Um, that's probably a little bit too much opinion on that, but that's. I mean, that's kind of my evolution uh,
0: observation over the last 20 years? Um, you know, it is our podcast, so we can we can share our opinion if we want to, it's okay.
1: I don't, people might come after me if I say, I don't know if
0: Marzana has it all together. The, and I can tell you as a non-instructional educator that that is one of the more difficult things for me when it comes to evaluations. I'm glad that we have finally shifted away from everybody being the same, fitting inside the same box. Um, when it comes to evaluations, you know, and and even though there are still some flaws to it, it's a whole heck of a lot better for us non-instructional teachers than it was back in the day when we were compared to um, social studies or math. But we're not doing anything remotely the same. I mean, almost nothing the same, but yet we're being held to the same evaluation. And And it was bizarre. So that's at least a really good thing from, and I'm talking from the at-risk side, a really good thing for us that we don't have to go through the same. So let's go coaches. I had Al print off the two that we have used. And, and so what I'm going to do here is I'm going I'm to talk through some of the things that are on the, the two that we use from the coaching side. And also let you know that for me, when it comes to these and keep this in mind, when I'm filling out the, the head coach performance assessment, which is what I have to fill out on my own, Al fills that out, or whoever the athletic director is, fills that out, and then you compare notes. And then on the other side, it's the head coach performance assessment of the assistant coach, which means I fill that out, and then whoever it is that I'm evaluating from our staff has to fill that out, and then we compare notes. That used to be the end-all, be-all for me. You know, when I was younger, that was the way, you know, okay, so we've got to do this because that is what is being expected of me. And that's what's being asked of me. And so therefore we're going to do it now. The end of the year, things look a lot different. The way that we evaluate look a lot different, even formally, even when we are on formal evaluation and and our cycle is, you know, it's our year of the cycle. It still looks different. I may have to fill these things out. This is off the record, fill these things out. But that isn't necessarily what drives our conversation anymore. And that isn't really what, what we're getting at. So we're gonna start. First one is interpersonal relations and personal conduct. Um, and you have oh, 13. Okay, so you have 13 areas as the head coach that you have to, um, not applicable, does not meet, needs improvement, meets and excels. And you have to fill that out on yourself. And I'll give you a couple. Promote sportsmanship at events and practices. Um, I usually score myself fairly low on that because I don't promote it. I demonstrate it. I'm not talking about being a great, you hey, we've got to have good sportsmanship out there, fellas. Otherwise, things will start to get out of hand. That, that isn't how we do it. But same time, I, I understand the, the idea behind it. Um, shows concern for the safety and well-being of the athletes um boy I sure hope you have that I really do demonstrates concern for the athletes academic progress and conduct in school promoted the self-esteem of the athlete and the team so they just asking you various aspects of being a head coach the next one is instruction of knowledge instruction and knowledge of sport and rules the group from Grinnell back in 2000 would have a very strong disagreement with us on whether or not I know the rules the rule of first touching. I don't know if you remember that on that punt. The next would be the young man that was on our side in in Knoxville in 2010 when he kept calling Mark Phillips for pass interference defensively because he was in contact with him when the ball wasn't in here, and oh, that was another fight that we had to. Anyway, instruction of instruction and knowledge of rules of sport, or or Sam George being called for knocking the receiver down at Knoxville. Yes, yes. Same, very similar, very similar. Um, cooperation with other activities. That's another area in which you're being evaluated. Program administration. Cooperates in the development of information relative to the, to the program, including equipment and personnel. Equipment is my, one of my least favorite things. Support district policy and state law in relation to physicals, emergency, and locator cards being on file prior to participation. Thank you, Steve Andrews, for taking care of that for us. Next one. Yeah.
1: By, by the way, we should never have to do that.
0: All that stuff should be on file and electronic. We still have to chase them down because we're the first sport. Out hammers. We still have to chase them down because it's the first sport. You know what I mean? To make sure that it is turned in. Um, next one, professional responsibilities is, is an area in which you get evaluated when you're at normal. Provides supervision and administration of team members in regards to contest, practice, practices, transportation, and the locker room. Accepts recommendation from supervisors. Well, we're still one way, even though he doesn't like it. And then you get into the summative comments. So then he asks you eight Twelve questions that you have to give short answers to, um, and and that really is. I mean, we'll go through and talk about you know I, typically what he goes through and says. Talk to me about any of those first categories that that you didn't have as Excel. So anything meets or below, and then we usually talk about those twelve questions at the end when you're meeting with that. That's usually or typically how your your evaluation goes. The next one would be for the assistant coaches. This is this is A head coach, evaluating, assistant coach. So we're starting off very similar categories. Interpersonal relations, knowledge of sport and rules, personal conduct, relationship with athletes, which is becoming bigger and bigger. Can you relate to the kids that you're coaching and can you do so appropriately? Uh, Management responsibilities, professional responsibilities. Those are those categories. And then of course you have Postseason reflection and discussion, which is basically your, your summative and short answer. Um, and there are five of those that you have to go through with the assistant coach and have a conversation. And now, you know, if, if, if we were to talk about all the things that we're doing now, I generally just send you a list of, of questions at the end of the year because those are really the things that I really want to know. If you don't know, that you can't jump off sides without being penalized, or you don't know that you have to have seven men on the line of scrimmage in order for that to be a um, a valid and a, and a legal formation, then football might not be the thing for you. You know, and, and I think those are all fairly easy. However, what do I need to do to help you better? What, what areas do you need help in as far as the equipment goes? What kind of wants and needs do you have for equipment? Where do, you, where do you see yourself in five years? What are areas that that I can help you? What are areas that you think you are really good at? And I mean, we, we ask a, a, a different series of questions and usually there are different questions that come up every year. And I think it's important for us to continue to, to ebb and flow. And that's usually what generates our end of the year discussions is those um, there. And the one thing that I didn't get into when we talk about evaluations, I didn't even get into player evaluations. You know, back in the day, we used to meet with every single kid, um, and by the way, I think we're gonna get into that again, back into player evaluations and having conversations with kids um, individually as a staff, as opposed to um, what we have been doing, which has not been formal, as far as our evaluations with kids. But talking to people and, and having a conversation, and I think it's important. And one of the things that we do really well I think is is our weekly meetings that we have as a staff on Sunday nights. And not necessarily the whole one, the the whole staff, but each group, you know, the the defense and the offense, because we're having a conversation about what we need to work on, and what we need to do, and what what uh, what we've seen on film and what we're gonna try to exploit and have um, happen. That was a lot of talk well, right there.
1: Well, that's okay. It's your podcast. You can share your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> I um, I agree. I liked it when we did player evaluations. Uh, I I don't know. It, it's been so long ago. I wonder about the impact because that's why we want to do. And it. And I know where you're going with. We don't have to get into why we're going to go back to player evaluations. I think I have a pretty clear idea as to why we want to do that again. Um, now, as far as that, first thing the coaching the assistant coach uh i I think i xeroxed mine a couple times and just kept the same answers except for the except for the answers at the end the summatives
0: sure i I just xeroxed and because i had to turn it in i don't think i don't think those have changed in my time here i think those are all the same so I know that's bad but sometimes I do that just to see if anybody wants to I'm not going to tell you what I do with my preseason meeting and my and my goals on that. Um, I'm going to leave that alone because because somebody's going to somebody's going to get to the big man and let him know if I if I share everything and I'm choosing not to. On that. So Yeah, these aren't the joints you're looking for. Exactly. Very first thing as we, as we recap, Likert scale is important. There's no doubt about it. And, and it has its place in, in evaluations. And I think what I just went through from the athletic department side is a great tool for young head coaches to use to help understand what it is that you should be looking for and understand what it is that's important for you to keep track of and, and have an understanding of how, not only are you doing, but then the people that you're in charge of. The, the the staff that you have. At the same time, I think it's also important for you to start to, as you gain experience and you and you are, you know, years into your job, to finally get to the point where you are figuring out what's important for you and what you want to know and what you want to have evaluated and what you want to talk about, because then that is what is going to going to drive your end of the year um, conversations. And I'm not even going to say evaluations. This is at the end of the year conversations because it has to be important to you. Again, what we just went through, important for young coaches to see that and, and to go through that and have an idea. But as you get older, I think it's important for you to start to, to, to shape and mold that to be how you want it to be. Well, and some of it
1: is shape and mold it, but also really focus on what you want to know without it being a long arduous task for the assistant coaches and coaches because if you if you ask so much data and you can't even process any of that data, it's no good right you know and that's what you're talking about when you say now we only ask these i ask you guys these questions because that gets you the feedback that you want i mean you're asking questions about things that you're thinking about the program and you want to know what we think and that. So that
0: puts it into action. If you're not doing that, then you're wasting time. The, uh, the, you know, the most important things for me when it comes to that end of the year is number one, what equipment do you want or need? I think that's important. And, and, and I, I don't know if I can stress that enough. That's one of those things where I don't want to guess. I don't want to try and guess that I think you need this or you, you know, man, maybe you'd like this. Maybe you wouldn't like this. I don't know. Plus, if I know what it is that you want and it's a big ticket item, let's say it's a three-man sled it's a big ticket item, then I can take a look at what everybody else wants and decide if we're gonna have enough money to be able to get that or not get it. And it's just important. Second, I think it's also important um, for, for me to continue to ask, how can I help you better? Like, where do I need to improve? What do you need from me to, to make your job better? And then, third, I think it's very important for you to be able to answer what you think you do well and what you think you need to do. You know, improve upon. I I think that self-reflecting is important because I don't know if there's anything more important when it comes to the evaluation than the self-reflection side. And then the last thing, and this is one that I stole from from Scott Heitlin at DCG, is where do you see yourself in five years? If you have some sort of goal or or aspiration to be something different than where you're at right now, I need to know that so I can help you. And and I thought that that was one of the better questions that I asked this year. You know, where do you see yourself in five years? And and some of the answers that I got back were, and, and shocking would be, but I, they were a surprise. And now that I know the answer to that question, now I can start to to help you formulate a plan as to how you're going to get there in five. Years. And, and see if there's, there's gotcha. some way that we can help.
1: I, I put retired. How are you going to help me do that?
0: You're not, you're not, it's not ready. You're not ready. You, you, you still have a kid that, that isn't, one will be graduated out of the two that are left, but the other one not. So you've got a little time, longer than five. Maybe if I would have stretched it out to 10, maybe you would have been able to throw that in there, but not the five. So those are the things for me, you know, and again, when, when, I, was, when I was 24, you know, way back in 2000, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about any of those things that I just said. About I didn't I didn't I didn't want to hear what you thought I should do better. When it came to the end of the year stuff, I wanted to figure out a way to win. I didn't really care about any of that other stuff, and and so now you know, 21 years into this job, um, that's where we're at when it comes to end of the year stuff. And really, no different than you, you know, when it comes to you know the the ebbing and flowing and the changing and the shifting. Um, when it came to teacher evaluations, you know the things that you've seen and then kind of how you still had you know your your parameters and your guidance as to what you were supposed to be looking for, but the manner by which you went about it was much different, you know and how you you came up with those questions that you asked and then figured out a way to to come up with a plan as to how they were going to improve. Yeah So, if anybody's got anything else on evaluations, you know, let me know. And, and, you know, one of the things that um, I think I have collected two separate examples of, of player evaluations, something that we're going to, we're going to look heavily at um, as we get ready to roll into the season. And, and I think um, there's some things that we may not have to get into as much depth, but, but there are some things on there that, that we have to at least take a look at and ask kids about, because it's important for us to know the answer. To it. You know, do you plan on playing college football? Do you plan on, you know, what are your post-secondary plans? And then how can we help? Um, that, would be, that would be one of the more important ones. Um, you know, and if you plan on trying to play college football or some other sport in college, you know, then, then us helping you um, with the recruiting process and how that works and how that should be shaken out and what you need to do is important for us to, uh, to talk about that. So that really is it for me when it comes to the evaluation side. I don't know where you're at. You got anything else to add? Any final thoughts? Nope. We covered it. Okay. If anybody else has anything that they want to add evaluation-wise, go ahead and shoot that our way. Remember, you still need to tell us what your first car was. I'd like to know that. And then a little side note, a little rabbit hole, brandishments, if you will. What shape should Reese's go with if they're going to roll out a summer shape? for Reese's Cups. I like the star idea. I think that's a really good one. Okay. Star, shooting star. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. Let's go history. It is the week of Drake Relays, 2021. Drake Relays had their first race. So the first Drake Relays were held in 1910. Then in 1914, saw its first world record set. And then by 1922, the relays had grown to two days and drew a thou- or 10,000 fans. Here's one that's very interesting. Women's events were added beginning in 1961 with Wilma Rudolph competing in the 100 meters. And then the 1966, re- 1966 relays began a streak of 48 consecutive Saturdays with a sellout. I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and then of course in 19 or in 19, in 2020, um, Drake relays did not happen. Right. Right. Which was the first time that it did not happen. And now we're back in 2021, which is really important, um, for us to be back and to be able to get after, um, all of that. So pretty excited this week, you know, and, and as if you're in the track world, you know that Drake Relay's um, pretty prestigious because it's not by class, it's just by time. So 1A is gonna compete against 4A. Who's the fastest at whatever or who can throw it the farthest or, or put it the farthest? Who can disk it the farthest? Um, all of those things going on is, is lumped together. So we might see Jimmy Chitwood and the Hickory Club coming out to, uh, to do a little shining. Um, or we might be seeing South Bend Central. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that it's all lumped together, not by class. Drake Relays this weekend. Positive for this podcast is uh, the IFC Awards. It was really important for us to get together. And, and Scott Heitland did a really good job of, of opening up Dow Center Grimes High School And we went in three shifts. We started at 11 o'clock. First shift was supposed to last an hour and a half, didn't, which is okay. And the next one was at at 1230 and then the last group was at two. And the first group we did, um, we did assistant coaches of the year and we did um, the uh, uh, Don Taft Memorial uh, Junior High coaches of the year. That was the first groups that went through. And then at um, 1230, we ended up doing the uh, regional, coaches of the year for each class, and then we did the state class, or I'm sorry, we did the overall coach of the year for each class, and then we also handed out state championship rings um, during that time, and so that was the second shift, and then the final shift was the uh, um, Hall of Fame induction, and then the uh, Distinguished Service Award, which is the Ken Winkler Distinguished Service, and then we would have given out the Walt Fiegel coaching with character award, but uh, um, Steve Milder's wife had surgery on, on Thursday morning. And so he wasn't coming over for that on Sunday. And so we didn't, we didn't give the Walt Fiegel award, but um, several people that we are, we're very familiar with uh, made it into the hall of fame. Um, Jim Dunn from Grinnell is one of them. Um, It was good to see Jim on Sunday, got a chance to chat with him a little bit. Dwayne Schulte from Cedar Rapids Xavier and uh, Tom Wilson from West Des Moines, Dowling Catholic. Uh, were the three that, that we would know um, from from our time here. Uh, and then there was a fourth that got into the Hall of Fame. So really important for us. You know, we missed all of that during the, uh, during the fall. We didn't get to do any of those. And then, of course, we didn't have our in-person clinic, which meant we didn't have our, our banquet um, to give all of these, uh, all the other awards out. And so we, we lumped them all together and, and uh, knocked it out. You know, we had lots of help. And uh, I thought it went pretty smooth it was a long day, long weekend, you know, from Friday going down and speaking and then Saturday finishing up at the clinic and then Sunday um, doing all that. So it was a uh, long three days, but very rewarding, especially on Sunday. And, and you know, that distinguished service award, you know, I think I think they read it was 160 years of service between the four um, people. So 40 years plus uh, in, in all the things that they were helping with, you know, from announcing to, Um, And I think two of them were announcers and then just the, you know, the chain gang and helping with things. It it just remarkable human beings that don't ask for anything in return and just are there to help. It's pretty awesome. So that was our positive IFCA awards. So here we go. Recap. Number one, what was your first car? Number two, what shape should Reese's do for the summer rollout and and, um, July 4th? Anything that we missed from the uh, the evaluations, what did we, we miss and, and what do we need to do? And then any other general feedback that you have, you know, roll it our way. And uh, that's about it. I think we made it over an hour, which isn't bad. We've been going an hour and a half. <laughs> I'll let you know. We can talk. We can talk. And then we get rolling, right? We get down a rabbit hole and then you know, we're in trouble. What are you going to do? Anyway, not go, not go
1: down the rabbit hole.
0: Yep. And I got to remember to put an E on this one, thanks to the hog in the back seat of the Horizons. Uh, Horizon.
1: It's the Kurtz Uncle Jim. And if he
0: was talking, it would have been much worse. You know, no doubt. We would, we would be double E probably on that. So this is Likert scale, episode 44 of Talking the Walk. I am Paul Patterson, and I'm signing off. Tom Scanlon. Have a good night. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show. Yeah.